Cult Podcast features adult themes and graphic descriptions of violence. Listener discretion is advised. Now please, enjoy the show. Don't drink the Kool-Aid. For the purposes of this podcast, we define a cult as organizations that rally behind an entity or leader who espouse beliefs outside the norm. Organizations that require physical or monetary sacrifice as a condition of membership. Organizations in which the doctrines followed by the leaders are different than that of the followers. Organizations in which isolation is encouraged either by commune living or by a policy of disconnection from outside relationships. And organizations that actively recruit new members. All cults might have some or all of these traits, and as always... These are our opinions. Thank you for tuning into Cult Podcast. I'm Paige Wesley, and yeah. I am 100% that bitch. <laughs> hey, shout out to Lizzo. <laughs> and I'm Armando Torres. And with us we have... Andrea Gazzotto! Yay! Yay! Now, Andrea, I heard that you're only 38% that bitch. I am indeed. <laughs> <laughs> and it's Paige's week. It's my week, and I'm 100% this cult. Hey. <laughs> No, I'm not. So we are continuing with Father Divine. Recap of the sources real quick. Uh, The Father's Kingdom documentary is where a lot of the information for this half comes from. People's Temple of Black Religion in America, uh, Chapter 2. The Divine Inspiration of Jim Jones. Some of the earlier ones we're not going to use as much. Those are more for the historical portions in Part 1. But the SDSU archives for Jonestown and Woodmont very important woodmont becomes the commune for father divine towards the end so there's it's a comparison between jonestown in guyana and woodmont in pennsylvania so that was very important as well as he, sta- he stays domestic right he does stay domestic yeah. okay um, yeah, support american made cults well we'll we'll get to kind of how they end up in woodmont because it's a pretty fascinating story mm-hmm. but that is a lot of where the new documentary that's out follows is at woodmont they actually got access to woodmont which most people have not had in years and in part it was because mother divine was in poor health and they have a local historian who is also cataloging. So most of the remaining members are about 80 or 90 years old. We'll kind of go over them a little bit more in the end. But as they die off, there is someone there preserving all of the history. So it'll be very, 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 very interesting when everyone has passed what we find out. Okay. Yeah. It's like a... It's like the people that are there from uh, Heaven's Gate who are just there to update the website. Yes. That's a hundred percent. I mean, there's weird. a lot yeah. of other weird stuff going on, but it's those people. It's the people that are still like, yeah, he's still my dude. We'll get into this when we cover the Branch Davidians, but there are still people who live on the compound mm-hmm. that believe that David was right about everything. Yeah. And that they still truly believe in in the movement so yeah. there's like mm-hmm. there's always going to be people that follow definitely so part two this starts what historians that study father divine have called the Sayville years because this is where father divine moves him and his disciples to Sayville, new york on long island in 1919 hey uh why the long island Hey, hey. <laughs> hey, and then I tell him, I tell him, hey, hey uh, why the Long Island? <laughs> what's what's wrong, buddy? Why the Long Island? <laughs> and then he fired me. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, so Sayville's kind of an interesting place. In 1994, they were voted the nicest town in America. Fantastic. <laughs> Fantastic. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You'd think that would be in Minnesota somewhere, but no. Who voted them that? It was a, a study in Newsweek. There was like a thing about whether or not people like picked up a pencil that someone dropped. It was a very, like, if you read it, you're just like, this is inconclusive. Yeah, you can't really make that distinction. Yeah, I was like, I don't know if you've met New Yorkers, but they ain't nice. (laughs) Hey, uh, hey, how's it going? My name is uh, Peter. Welcome to heaven. Uh, I was going to let you in, but it looked like you didn't pick up a pencil when somebody (laughs) dropped it. I was going to say, maybe that study is is also just based on the number of people in that town that read Newsweek still. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Remember, this was also 1994. I also think it's weird to call somebody the nicest town. That's fair. That's a very vague compliment. It's very nice. It's nice here. I feel like the nicest town in America now is just Canada. Just all of Canada. (laughs) (laughs) Just the whole country. We're keeping it nice for the greater good. Oh, no. The greater good. The greater good. So they moved to Sayville in Long Island he and his followers were the first black homeowners in town. Wow. And they were not happy about it. The town did not want them So there. not the nicest town. No. I, that's why I brought it up because they were like, we're the nicest. I was like, you guys actively expelled a black family. Oh, you can be nice and racist at the same time. No. Nah, no. Hey, why don't you go back to where you come from, please? <laughs> please. <laughs> Polite racism. I still wouldn't call it nice. No, it's being racist. You're not nice. It's still hate and ignorance, but it is weirdly polite. polite. Yeah, (laughs) I'd say polite as opposed to nice. So, Father Divine (laughs) Pert. Hey, man, that was some nice racism in there. Hey, nice. I think you got what it takes to go big leagues. How much is a hood again? <laughs> Ironically, the farm league is the big leagues of racism. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> oh, anyway, so uh, Father Divine purchased his 72 Macon Street house from a resident who wanted to spite a neighbor he was feuding with. So a resident evil. Ooh. Ooh. That's I- such a shitty, like, I mean... Did he need to move? <laughs> well, well, did the neighbor? Did he, he was he just like... so the two neighbors were uh, both German American. All right. What what uh, what oh, period man. of time is this? People who've never been racist ever. Uh, <laughs> this is nineteen nineteen. My people okay. are so. This racist. is World War One. Yeah. So not great for Germany. Yeah, one of them is gonna Kaiser roll on out of that neighborhood. Hey. <laughs> oh man. They began fighting when one of them changed their name from Felgenhauer to Fellows in response to anti-German sentiment. Which is, um, I think, that's something that was I pretty common it. in the day. Yeah? As someone with a nigh-unpronounceable name that's my real name and has changed my name, I get it. Yeah, well, you used to be uh, Paige Wesleyberg. Y- no. <laughs> until you came to America. Uh, oddly enough, it was like Paige Hitler. <laughs> His neighbor kept taunting him. You're just going to change your name like that? So, I don't know. How do, how do you do a German accent? So you think it's okay that you just called one thing and then all of a sudden you are called another as if it's no big thing? As a final insult, he specifically advertised that his home be for sale to a 
quote, colored buyer to presumably lower his neighbor's property values. Oh, my fucking God. What a dickwad. Yeah. But also... More like Aster Race. It's... (laughs) (laughs) It's really irritating when you're like, they're being so progr... Aww. Yeah, and then people had to just go goose-stepping all over people's toes. (laughs) 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 Ponzia. During this time, his movement and his flock basically grew immensely, especially because a lot of them were living in the city where it was kind of cramped and dirty, and now they had the opportunity to live in Long Island in this house with him where it was significantly more comfortable. Father Divine, at this point, held free weekly banquets, just huge dinners where they would have thousands of people. One of the largest ones had 3,000 people at it. Do we know? Wow, that's bigger than my wedding. That's, in fairness, this is something that the Sikh temples do a lot. Yes. Is, Mm -hmm. like, they provide free food to people that can't afford it. Mm -hmm. How big is the property? Do we know? Um, it's, it's large, but it's not, like, 3,000 people large. Okay, so And that's part of the problem. Gotcha. Yeah. So, he also would help newcomers find jobs. So, people would come to him that were kind of impoverished. And this is still, I mean, in 1919, we're still only like 40 years out of the Civil War. Yeah. So these are people now in just like very post-restoration that he's like, come here, I'll feed you. Here's a job. Here, go do this. Oh, boy. Around this time, people had started basically linking their businesses with the cult. So that when people joined, he could be like, great, you go work in this deli. Because they part owned the deli. And that's how they were getting a lot of their money, is they were able to easily staff these businesses. And then they would patronize these businesses. So essentially, they're paying themselves. And then they're reaping the rewards of those businesses being successful because they're supporting it. Well, and especially during this time, if you are a black person, it's difficult to find employment that will pay you a living wage and where people will treat you with decency. And that's something he specifically did. The other thing that he would do, because they owned a number of restaurants a little bit later than this, like maybe 10 years after this, they would own restaurants and they had a very strict no tipping rule at their restaurants because they instead would just pay a living wage. So the point was that they would just, like, pay you enough to work there that you didn't even need the tips. Such progressiveness. Very much. And he would, like, specifically argue that tipping was a way for people to underpay their workers. And so he disagreed with it as a concept. So his basic, basically his goal with a lot of these businesses was, like, pay them well enough so that they live fulfilling lives and you don't have to rely on other people to help them. He was also very anti-welfare. And during the New Deal with FDR just a little bit after this, he was vi- he was against it. He didn't want the handouts. He was like, we should all be treating each other well enough that we're doing well, as opposed to the wealth disparity. Yeah. Yeah. This is also a time in American history, though, where Black-owned businesses or really black people getting ahead white people would often burn their shops take their shit like just but it's harder to do that when you also have white people in your cult oh shit son so at this point they've become enough of a 
like a new thing around town that people are hearing about with these huge banquets and they own a ton of businesses that they started attracting a ton of white followers as well. So now there's a mix of followers, which means that it grants them a certain level of privilege within society because they have white members also. Mm -hmm. They can't just be written off as this like, oh, that's a black people thing. No, because there's both. Mm -hmm. There's a whole bunch of people. Now, granted, initially predominantly African-American, but as they grew, they got even more diverse. Members of their overwhelmingly white neighborhood, however, were super, super angry. They felt like he was flaunting his wealth because he had a Cadillac, <laughs> which was a big deal at the time. They accused him of having a large harem and, and engaging in group sex, which at the time was illegal. Um, Wait, group sex was illegal? It, I mean, any sort of sex outside of like oh, adultery marital, was yeah, al- oh, adultery and uh, sodomy and all kinds of things were illegal. Wait, butt stuff was illegal? I mean, and anything besides penis and vagina sex was illegal at some point. But, <sighs> but yeah, butt stuff. They also considered mouth stuff sodomy. No! Oh, yeah! There's this whole thing about mm-hmm. the Italian mafia people having uh, mistresses that would only give them head because they didn't. They thought it was demeaning for their wives to do. Yes. Mm-hmm. That blows. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they contacted the Suffolk County District Attorney, and they contacted the police to try and get them thrown out. But the district attorney found their claims baseless. They found that none of the stuff they were saying was going on. So essentially, white people just kept calling the police about his barbecues. (laughs) Hello, police? This guy's having a kick-ass party, and I'm pretty sure he fucks. (laughs) So on May 8th, 1931, a deputy arrested Father Divine and charged him with disturbing the peace. Now, arguably, he did commit that crime. (laughs) <laughs> because there were 3,000 people there. Where even, was it in a building? It's so in a house. It's in a house. But at this point, it's like bleeding out into the front lawn. Yeah. They blocked the whole thoroughfare with a line of cars because there was nowhere to park. Right. It's a huge, like she said, huge it's just, thing. It's just like a normal-sized property. Yeah. For 3,000 That's people. insane. I can't even imagine someone in our apartment building. This is, this is 30 times bigger than my wedding? Yeah. They don't, even let, they don't even let 3,000 people in a sizzler, goddammit. True. There's no way they could fit in a sizzler. And now, granted, again, I think this is people coming in and out throughout the day. For and sure. and in, in, at some points over a couple days. But like, And it's also 3,000 is the purported biggest number. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and this is 1931 now. So this is after the Depression had started. So this is the poorest time in American history And he's throwing banquets, lavish banquets, and feeding as many people as possible and getting as many people jobs as possible. After he was arrested, and this was pretty unheard of during the Depression, he paid his $1,000 bail in cash. Damn, dog. Like, in today's money, that's thousands of dollars. The trial kind of dragged on. His neighbors were a little upset. So they scheduled it for late fall, and this is, he was arrested during the summer. 
it allowed him to get even more popular over the summer because here's the thing. Every time people arrest him, the newspaper prints about it. And then more people are like, I got to check that guy out. Banquets for anybody? Anybody can go? And so it would just attract more people. Well, people crazy. like bad boys. Yeah. He went to jail? Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> like cars would clog the streets. Basically, neighbors couldn't get into their houses. They thought it was hurting their property values Purely because, I mean, A, because they're racist as hell, but B, because they couldn't get to their house. Like, they couldn't park in yeah, front of their houses. Yeah, that's, that's an annoyance for sure. It's like if someone's like, ah, I'm going to take apart an old car and just put right. its dumb parts and make a flamingo sculpture in my house. Mm-hmm. What? That was very specific. It I've was. seen some things in Milwaukee. <laughs> So Sunday, November 15th, 1931 at midnight, so basically 12, 15 a.m., a police officer was called to Father Devine's raucously loud property. By the time the state troopers, deputies, and prison buses were all called in, a mob of neighbors had surrounded the compound. Fearing a riot, the police informed Father Devine and his followers that they had 15 minutes to disperse. Father Devine asked them to sit in silence for 10 minutes and then they quietly filed onto the prison buses creepy yeah where they were basically just like take us bitch yes they were processed in the county jail by about 3 a.m and clerks were frustrated because the followers wouldn't give their like normal names they stubbornly referred to the names that they'd come up for themselves adopted during the movement so they'd be like you know i'm faithful patience and no i'm i'm, I'm aware but what is your birth name yeah exactly <laughs> um, so 78 people were arrested including 15 white people <gasps> now that's surprising i know they arrested white people uh they didn't start doing that until 1940 <laughs> And even then, only if we absolutely have to. Uh, 46 of them pleaded guilty to disturbing the peace, uh, and they were each in, uh, given $5 fines. Father Divine paid all of the fines. Wow. With a $500 bill, which, by the way, I had to look up because I was like, $500 bill. Turns out they made $500 bills until like 1969. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Nice. <laughs> The court actually couldn't make change for the $500 bill. (laughs) (laughs) They had to, I think, borrow some money to make change. Um, They have to borrow it from him. I think maybe. Oh, God. (laughs) But Penaniah, Father Divine, and 30 other followers resisted the charges. His arrest and his doctrines that he was preaching were pretty sensationally reported at the time where the papers were kind of making him out to be some sort of kind of a fancier cult figure than he was, you know, where he's like feeding people and getting people jobs and they're just like thousands of women in his house. And it's like, yeah, eating food. You know, they kind of made it out to be a little crazier. The frenzy around his events basically made him wildly, wildly famous, even inaccurate articles made him more popular uh by december he and his followers were able to rent full buildings in new york city for him to preach in because the houses and churches weren't big enough so they were renting out ballrooms and dance halls for him to speak in 
he would have several speaking engagements every night because they couldn't fit everyone all in one spot. So like at 8 p.m. you'd be one place, 9 p.m. you'd be another place, 10 p.m. you'd be somewhere else. So he's also feeding people too, though. Not every single time, but he would frequently feed people. Eventually he does get to a point where they're feeding people every week. Um, And some every day. Wow. On December 20th, he spoke to 10,000 people at Harlem's Rockland Palace, which was a basketball venue. It's huge. And so it's kind of spinning out of control at this point into something wildly famous for the time. And all within that year, 1931. Wow. Because by 1932... Meetings regularly had to be held at that basketball venue and throughout New York and New Jersey because they didn't have enough room for all of them in one place. He had supporters all the way out on the West Coast in Washington and California and in Seattle. Um, But most of the music, most of the movement was black, except for anywhere outside the Northeast where it was mostly middle-class white people. What Hmm. age? Um, it doesn't necessarily say. Okay. Um, because it seems to have been all ages. Okay. Um, mostly adults, though. Not a lot of children, from what I saw. There were some, obviously. Mm -hmm. Well, if you're preaching celibacy. Exactly. It's... (laughs) Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it is sort of like, it just seems like it's one of these things that we see... The way that most cults start where it sounds like they're maybe attracting the more progressive young people in these areas. Well, you also have to remember that it's the depression. Yeah. So it's everybody. That's fair. It's like you've got jobs and food and and you're preaching to us about how we get those. Bro, fuck the depression. If you told me you had jobs and food, I'd flip my shit. Yeah. I mean, it's... Like right now. Also, you know what's really expensive? children oh 100 percent. so yeah. if you're not if you're telling your followers like remain celibate you mm-hmm. know that it's easier to make a living wage if you're not supporting other i actually i was children. making the argument to somebody the other day where i was like do you realize because they were just like yeah i just like i want a kid i don't know why people are so weird about it i was like do you realize that pregnancy to a poor family is almost a death sentence like even yeah. now it even now significantly reduces your quality of life. It could mean the death of you. So yeah. in a way, and especially if that kid's a murderer, yeah, because then it'll just it kill literally you. the death of you. Um, but in a way, in in some senses, him preaching celibacy, it was kind of the self fulfilling prophecy of them being more successful. Because you're right, they didn't have children to pay for. They didn't ever have to be out of work. They could have jobs. They had freedom to do kind of whatever they wanted. Essentially, they've got disposable income for the first time. Yeah. And a lot of that disposable income can go right back to the cult. In in roundabout ways, yeah. Yeah, if you're only supporting cult businesses. Yeah. Now, the other thing, too. Now, different from Jim Jones, because a lot of cults that have people paying into the cult... That money's just going to the leader and people are starving and terrible. This cult is a little unique in that even though people are giving money and mostly in the form of their labor, that money is going back to the members because of these banquets and everything. Like, 
they're actually reaping the rewards of this cult being successful. That's so funny that it's like, and this cult was really unique because they were doing a good thing. Yeah, they were being kind of nice. So they eventually named their movement the International Peace Mission Movement. Father Divine's trial was finally held May 24th, 1932. So that's the trial from before. Yeah. Like, he's so popular, and they have, like, so many people that they're now dealing with that they haven't even been able to hold the trial yet. It's And it's just this huge thing. So his lawyer, Ellie J. Lovelace, was a prominent African-American lawyer and a former U.S. attorney, which was incredibly rare at the time anyway. Mm-hmm. He had requested that the trial be moved outside of Suffolk County due to jury bias because there were no black people on the jury because black people weren't on juries at this point, basically. The court agreed and the trial took place in Nassau County um, before Justice Lewis Smith and the jury found him guilty June 5th of disturbing the peace? Yes. Which, okay. I mean, they did. Yeah. Just saying. Um, but even though they found him guilty, the jury, because he was already so famous at this point, the jury asked for leniency. Or they were like, he's guilty, but do we really need to do anything about it? Uh, and the judge ignored the request, mm. and he lectured the entire court on how he was a, on how Father Divine was a fraud and a menace to menace to society, and then he issued the maximum sentence, which was one year at the time, for disturbing the peace. Really, a year—that's crazy. A year and a five hundred dollar fine. But then, a few days later, Judge Smith died of a heart attack. What? And everyone's like, it's a sign. Yes, because Father Divine was reported to have commented on the death. I hated to do it. In fact, I didn't desire Judge Smith to die. I did desire that my spirit would touch his heart and change his mind, that he might repent and believe and be saved from the grave. My plan was to touch his heart. I did not know that if I punched it, he would have a heart attack. (laughs) Right. So the impression that Justice Smith's death was caused by Father Divine as, like, revenge was perpetuated by newspapers. Oh, fuck. Like, actual news outlets were like, by the way, he killed a guy because the guy disagreed with, with him. With his mind. Yeah. Um, and they didn't report that, like, Justice Smith had had prior heart problems and, like, was probably not doing well. Um... And they basically it implied... It seemed like he had an anger issue. Yeah. <laughs> he was like, I'm just going to lecture this court right Fuck now. Fuck y'all. Um, they basically implied that the death was much more sudden and unexpected than it was. And so people then at that point start believing that Father Divine has full-blown powers. Damn. Because he just... They're like, he killed a guy. <laughs> So during his very brief prison stay, because they don't want to, like, nobody wants to be the next guy he kills. So they they kept him there only for a couple months. <laughs> While he was there, he got super into court cases. So now this kind of goes against my speculation zone from last time where we were like, I don't know, maybe he couldn't have written a book because he definitely read up on stuff in jail. So at this point, he for sure is literate. Okay. Um, he read extensively on a case that was popular, not popular, but famous at the time, the Scottsboro Nine. Mm. It's essentially, are you familiar? Yeah. Yeah. Nine black men accused of rape, falsely accused, 
Um, the woman who accused them eventually came out and said it was all fake. It's a lot like the case of Emmett Till, which is 20 years later. Mm-hmm. Um, but most of these nine men spent most of their lives in prison despite being completely innocent. It's some bullshit. Um, if you're interested, I, I do recommend reading up on it, but it will depress you a lot and make you very angry as it did me. So his attorneys managed to get him a release only a couple weeks later. So oh, he, wow. They got him to come? Oh. Hey. Hey, come on. Hey. Uh, <laughs> I just need some release. Um, <laughs> Armando Torres here. Uh, I'll be doing the yuck yucks all week. <laughs> yeah, yuck. <laughs> he uh, came out of jail and declared that the foundational documents of the United States of America, like the Constitution and the Decla- Declaration, were divinely inspired. So he thinks that, like, God wrote the Constitution. What? Yes. Well, then God only thought you were three-fifths of a person, bro. <laughs> I know! Uh, <laughs> what are you talking but about? He, he also thought that contemporary leaders had strayed from the ideals. Um, but he got super patriotic at points. He moved from Sayville on Long Island to Harlem, New York, because they could no longer fit in Sayville, and they started purchasing whole apartment buildings that they would convert into what they called hotels, like the Divine Lorraine Hotel is one of them. Hmm. Um, So members essentially held most of the deeds for those buildings, which was kind of interesting, where he didn't necessarily hold any of the deeds for those apartment buildings. They probably would have had to figure out what his real name was. Not only that, I think he would have had to pay taxes on it. Oh. Yeah. Um, But they would contribute towards his comfortable lifestyle. So they would basically, they referred to these hotels as quote unquote heavens. Because a lot of their belief was that heaven was happening on earth right now. And that they they could basically make the world nice enough that heaven is current. This is a very huh. humanist belief. It is a very humanist belief. And, I mean, act, you're seeing them actively try to do it. Of just yeah. like, yeah, everyone eats here. We're buying these hotels. And basically everyone can live here. They would separate the hotels out. Men on one floor, women on other floors. Mm. So they would separate them by gender. And what was really interesting in the documentary is there's shots of them like making their beds and then as they finish making their beds they all just put like a framed eight by ten of father divine on their bed Hmm. it was real strange (laughs) (laughs) because they don't have like a bedside table or anything so it's like you have to sleep next to that picture yeah it's very strange i'm just like you know uh, huh yeah like who knew heaven was a place on On earth Ooh, baby, do you know what that's worth? This hotel where nobody fucks is a place on earth. <laughs> uh, do people fucking have it? I would assume so. It's got everything that makes people happy. You know what makes me happy? Look at this photograph! <laughs> and it's an 8 by 10 picture. Oh, no. Father no. Divine. No, yeah. I don't like it. Uh, <laughs> hey, do you guys like Nickelback? No. Podcast canceled <laughs> over creative differences. <laughs> so I wouldn't call any of that stuff creative. <laughs> members could live in the in the hotels in the heavens, and um, for very little rent. So they were basically charging under market rent if you wanted to go live there, and they had options for jobs as well. Hmm. So people would basically, and they would open up like businesses also. So they would open restaurants, clothing shops. 
Um, and they would basically cut overhead because they didn't need to. Like, they only needed to pay their workers enough to live in the hotels where they also fed them and they had good accommodations. So why would A, anyone want to leave? Because it's better than trying to make it on your own where you probably can't get a job because you're African-American and you're going to be dis discriminated against. But also you're not going to make the same living wage. So you've got people for the first time living somewhat peace peacefully in good conditions, celibate, so there's not a lot of children with kind of disposable income. It's no wonder that a lot of these people were super happy. Yeah. yeah like super happy. But it, it also, um, I know you haven't seen the movie, so we're not going to go super into it, but we were just talking about uh, Sorry to Bother You. Mm -hmm. And inside of the movie exists uh, a place that you can join where you sign away your life and you work in their factories, and they house you and feed you and take care of everything you need. Mm -hmm. But you have you basically are property of this place of this like kind of culty thing. Mm -hmm. So this is almost exactly what it sounds like. Well, the funniest thing about that is that it's called worry free. Oh, mm -hmm. yeah. so the the concept is like, oh, you don't have anything to worry about. But then it's like, okay, but you don't have any choice in anything. Yeah, yeah. Well, people have accused tech companies of doing that now, like on the Google yes. campus where they yeah. have like a gym and you can always go and get food there the the idea being that you'll put in more work here and spend more time here because we have everything that you need here um an interesting thing about these hotels too the hotels were fitted with a megaphone system it allowed father divine to talk to any of his followers at any time oh so like that's where Jim Jones got it. Jim Jones totally stole that idea. Okay. That's so weird. And now from what we could see in some of the videos and, and things, it seems like he's using it kindly and just like, good morning, you know, or whatever. But it means that if you're living in these places, you're constantly hearing his voice. Yeah. He's in charge of everything you do. He He's in charge of where you live. He's in charge of the place that you got a job. And now, granted, yes, you're living well, but you can't survive without him, which means you can't really leave. Yeah, your whole life is linked your to Your whole life is there. And then every morning you wake up and he's like, good morning, Vietnam. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. You guys like Robin Williams? Yeah. Mm. Hey, how come you guys never answer me? <laughs> um, so in 1934, branches had opened up in Los Angeles as well as Seattle. Uh, they had had gatherings in France, Switzerland, Canada, and Australia. When you uh, when you say branches, do you mean like the heavens? Yes. Okay, so they... Okay, mm -hmm. all right. Um, but membership totals weren't as huge as the press is making them out to be. Newspapers were saying that they had way more people than they did. But even so, they still had a ton of people. Like, yeah. this is probably one of the largest cults we've ever covered. Does he move around... Like, does he go to his L.A. one? And the, Okay, so he mm -hmm. moves around. He travels, yeah. Um, and when he's not there to talk to his followers, he would send tapes for them to play over the loudspeakers. That's exactly what I was going to ask. Okay, yes. yeah. Because you need them to have that. You can't yes. just have a sub. Yeah, no. Mm -hmm. Hey, what's up, guys? It's, it's me. It's Uncle Divine. I'm <laughs> second wanted, string god. I just wanted to... Oh, I'm really fucking this up, aren't I? <laughs> um, for Brian... So, at the time, Time Magazine said that they had 2 million followers, um, but it was probably just a few tens of thousands, like probably 50,000 and then a lot of sympathizers, but that's still 
larger than any cult we've pretty much ever covered, except for maybe the clan. It's yeah. like an Instagram account. You bought some of those followers? I don't think they're real followers. <laughs> I don't think they're real. Um, he was constantly called for political endorsements because he now held voting power. And even though he never really formally endorsed anybody, he was kind of apolitical until later. He did strongly encourage all of his followers to vote to the point where they would like, you know, get everyone registered if they weren't registered. And then they would take buses down to the polls, which is why they don't they have those like licensing requirements and stuff now, because in the South, people would just like from church. If the election was on a Sunday, they would just bus people to the polls and you would get an overwhelming black turnout. But if you find a way for that not to happen via either gerrymandering or licensing requirements, it can curtail that black vote. Man, that's so fucked. I know. Yeah. It's crazy. Now, at the time, this is now probably their most popular, but it's also one of the most turbulent times there. So December 16th, Uh, At this point, I believe it's 1939. John Hunt, who was a white millionaire from California who decided to become a disciple, uh, he called himself John the Revelator. Okay. What the fuck? I mean, he sounds like a real crazy robot. Um, (laughs) He met a family from Denver, Colorado, and he decided that he really liked their 17-year-old daughter. Ruh-roh. So he kidnapped her. What? Also, her name was Delight. Oh. I know. Did he do it around 12? Was it afternoon Delight? <laughs> oh, B. No. No. She's a victim. No. Underage Delight. Underage Delight. Actually, this time she was probably of age, given the ages of consent at the time but you still can't kidnap people you still can't kidnap people uh so he took her back to california without her parents consent and renamed her the virgin mary uh right after having sexual relations with her and i was like i don't think you know what those words mean because no no (laughs) yeah also delight is way cooler of a name than mary it is delight's a way cooler name He announced that she would give birth to, quote-unquote, a new redeemer by immaculate conception in Hawaii. Which, by the way... You had sex with her. You had sex with her. But also, you're not in Hawaii. How are you going to get there? Also, you had sex with her, and I'm pretty sure it wasn't anywhere near immaculate. Yeah, no. Yeah. Uh, Father Divine uh, summoned them to New York, and then he separated the couple and chastised his follower... uh, the family, finding their daughter brainwashed into believing she was the Virgin Mary, demanded compensation. Uh, so the movement at this point has their own attorneys. They have like a team of lawyers because people are constantly suing them for disturbing the peace and shit. Um, as you do. As you do. They conducted an internal investigation and they refused to compensate the family. Saying that, like, hey, this was the actions of one person. We didn't tell him to do this. It's not on us. Uh, The family, not happy about it. Yeah. They offered their story to William Randolph Hearst, who at the time owned the New York Evening Journal. And he did not like Father Divine. 
He also was just like an old cantankerous man that hated a lot of people. So, <laughs> Grandpa? Yeah, he had like a list. Of- cantankerous is one of those adjectives where I don't know what it means, but every time somebody uses it, I get this. It's the same person. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Like, <laughs> After a manhunt and a trial, John Hunt was eventually arrested and sentenced to three years in jail. <laughs> they had a literal John Hunt. Yeah. <laughs> It's a large-scale John Hunt. Um, he he gave himself a new name, the Prodigal Son. Oh, God damn it! Um, but Father Divine publicly came out being like, "Yeah, convict that fool. He's nuts." <laughs> like he basically, a, a lot of followers expected him to smite the judge to get John off so that he could be free. And Father Divine was just like, no, he's making us look bad. Also, he kidnapped that girl. Like, come yeah. on. Also, the only thing that gets John Hunt off is uh, illegal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love how Father Divine thinks he's God, but is also very reasonable in he, every other yes. measure. <laughs> like, yeah, he's like, I'm God, what? but I'm also pragmatic. <laughs> yeah, it's We're pretty, practical about it's it. It's one of those things where the more I get into it, the more I'm like, at a certain point, I have to believe that he had he doesn't believe he's God, but he's like, well, I am in charge, though. <laughs> and just kind of embraces it. Yeah. Um, he was pretty mad because news coverage at the time, especially because Hearst was behind it, implied that all of, her, all of his followers were gullible and dangerous. Oh. Right around the same time, Penaniah got really, really ill. And Father Divine allegedly kind of just left her to die on what people believed was her deadbed deathbed they were like she's super sick you better go see her and apparently he saw her like once this Mm. also caused really bad publicity because they were just like so he's just abandoning her what's happening um but penaniah recovered and was like no i wasn't sick at all i don't know what you're talking about it's fine it's fine it's fine do you do you think they took her to a hospital? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's no, there's not a lot of stories of them avoiding any medical. Well, just because their thought process being like, well, sickness is a thought from the mind. Yeah, but it doesn't seem like like they still have doctors, and they seem to take people to doctors. Okay. Okay. So it seems like they're just like, I, I, I feel like in their mind, social sickness is a figment of your mind. Do you think? Uh, and this might be off topic, but do you think he's asexual? I think you could make a strong case for that. Yeah. I also think you could definitely make a case for the complete alternative. That he's just hypersexual? I, I think you could, and I, I, I feel like he kept it very under wraps, so there's no way we'll ever know for sure. But if somebody told me, hey, he was fucking girls all through this shit this whole time... I would believe you, 100%. Yeah, that's the thing of, like, the only thing that's stopping me from thinking that is the uh, the reports, which probably come from within, just being like, well, he was pretty much upstanding. Like, he was doing his own rules, you know? Right, right. He's getting high off his own supply of right. rules and regulations. Well, let's get into this next one. Yeah. So, um, in 1937... Uh, Two men tried to deliver a, a, a court summons, and one of the men was stabbed as Father Divine fled. At that point, Father Divine had to go into hiding to evade the authorities. Um, part of the reason they were serving summons 
is because one of Father Divine's most prominent followers, uh, her name is Faithful Mary, defected and she took control of one of the large communes that was technically in her name because the deeds were in the names of the followers. So she basically took over one of those buildings and was like, I'm the leader of this cult now because you all live in my building. So... Hey guys, it's it's me. It's Uncle Divine. Uh, I guess we have a new boss. I don't know anymore, guys. <laughs> she also alleged that he was defrauding his followers to maintain a rich lifestyle for himself. Now, granted, he lived well, but so did everybody else. That's kind of the weird thing about it, where it's like, maybe he was rich, but he definitely was also making sure that most other people were doing okay. Okay. Um, or at least were well off enough to be happy where they were. Hey, that is there a, is there like a division, a, a, a kind of like economical division between these people? Like the, the, you said the millionaire joined his cult. Yeah. Did he get to stay a millionaire? I think he did. Okay. Now, because a, a lot of times, and he's very public in a lot of interviews, he's like, I've never taken money from followers. And I think the way he got around it was that he would have them link their businesses as opposed to just taking money from a follower. Okay. If that makes sense. Yeah. I just, I wanted to know if that like, if you had extra, if you had your own money, if you were able to do that, or even if there's like, if there's like tears to it, you know? No, I mean, I'm sure people just readily gave him money, but it also seems like there's just one tier where it's like, there's him and then there's everybody else. Okay. And everybody else is kind of living well, enjoying everyone's company and generally happy, except for this bitch that took over a building. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. She also, um... In addition to saying that he was basically keeping all the money for a rich lifestyle for himself, she made a number of allegations of his sexual proclivities. Ooh. Is it gay? Well, she actually said that he was coercing women to have sex with key disciples. Oh, so not even him. Not even necessarily him. And that's her allegation. That's her allegation. Okay, what? Yeah. So even in her allegations, it's not like, yeah, he wasn't fucking, though. I mean, he may have been, but her main allegation was that he was, like, splitting up Mm -hmm. couples and then delegating who fucked who. Which, again, is a cult thing through and through. It happens so often. It's cult 101 to the point where it's like, are you just just getting off on the control? Yeah. Oh, I 100% believe so. Yeah. Yeah. But Mm -hmm. it was just like, what I'm saying is, like, that's her biggest allegation. So even her... Whether allegations are true or not, she's still, like, her biggest ones isn't like, yeah, he's fucking these people. Uh, yeah. Well, and here's the thing. I very much think that he could also be sleeping with people. For sure. And just no one's saying anything about it. Yeah. Um, possibly. Uh, I feel like that same desire for control is why we see a lot of rape in cults. Because mm-hmm. rape is about power. It's not about sex. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's that same desire to take power over a person. In rape, it's taking over their bodily autonomy. In a cult, it's over their societal autonomy. Yeah. So it's it's the same thing, just on a macro scale, which is terrible, but... Terrifying, too. Yeah. So in May uh, of that year, Father Divine was located and extradited from Connecticut to face criminal charges in New York, spun from her allegations. 
Um, Randolph Hearst uh, kept putting in the news and he would put out like mocking footage of Father Divine's followers because some of them would wear like uniforms and sing. And so there's a lot of footage of them like singing and rejoicing that God is in their land with pictures of Father Divine. Mm-hmm. Weird. Eight by ten pictures? Yes. Oh, okay. So uh, in a lot of like news reels and things like that randolph hearst was putting the that footage in to just be like look at these idiots look we have an eight by ten pointer that's the only size we can print (laughs) all we got uh so later that same month an ex-follower named verinda brown filed a lawsuit for almost five thousand dollars against father divine directly because they had entrusted their savings with father divine back in sayville in 1931 They left the movement in 1935 because they wanted to live as husband and wife again because he would separate people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So they wanted to be a couple again, but they were unable to get their money back. In light of their evidence and testimony and the reports from Faithful Mary and others critical of the movement, the court ordered that he repay the money. But this opened up a lot of liability from any ex-devotees, so they resisted and appealed the judgment. Because they basically are like, hey, hey, hey. So it, it sounds like they're holding money, if that makes sense. Yeah. Where people would entrust their money and they're like, we're going to invest this in businesses and then we'll pay it back to you. And so they don't want to have to pay these people back because that means that anyone who leaves, they would have to pay them back. Yeah, it's just mm-hmm. that precedent. It's like that's why the banks failed because people were like, well, I got to get my money out too. And then everyone right. pulls it out at once. That'll fuck you. So... Um, in 1938, he was cleared of criminal charges and Mother Divine recovered. So Penn and I is actually doing better at this point. Faithful Mary lost her case. So impoverished and broke, she returned to the movement. No. But he made her grovel for forgiveness. No. Yeah. By the 1940s, the movement had stabilized but it was nowhere near as big as it once was. The bad press had hurt them. They had people leaving? Yeah, not in huge droves, but they weren't, you know, rapidly growing the way they were. Yeah. yeah. Basically, throughout the 40s, they had just, like, you know, constant growth. It, and now they're just not seeing that growth, and people are kind of gradually pulling away. Well, it sounds like the economy's improving a little bit, and as that happens, people start to go back to, like, the normal shit. Yeah. But also, um, it sounds like people could willingly leave. It wouldn't work out for them all the time because their whole fucking lives and businesses are mm-hmm. tied up in the cult. So even if you're one of the people with the business, you're going to have to buy them out and then right. I'm sure the finances are fucked. But it sounds I, I'm like... I'm sure you can't take any money with you. I'm yeah. pretty sure if you leave, you leave with fucking nothing. Yeah, but you... It sounds like you could leave. Yeah, well, okay. and, and think about this. Until they got to Guyana, you could leave the People's Temple too. Fair, fair enough. Mm-hmm. All right, yeah. I mean, they they wouldn't like it. They'd probably say mean things about you. They might buy, try and blackmail you for things they knew about you, but you could physically leave. True. So he wanted, obviously, some good press. So he decided to focus on an anti-lynching measure in 1940. He had gathered 250,000 signatures, and a lot of those were his followers. He could, you know, amass that many people um, in favor of an anti-lynching bill that he wrote. So we, at this point, we know for sure that he is literate. However, 
they were not able to pass the anti-lynching bill. And the lawsuit from Verinda Brown dragged on and was sustained on multiple appeals, and he kept being ordered to pay her more money for, like, contempt of court and lawyer fees on top of that initial $5,000. So eventually he fled the state and reestablished his headquarters in Pennsylvania, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. But he would still visit New York. At the time, New York state law forbid serving subpoenas in New York on Sundays. So he would come speak on Sundays in New York and then come back to Pennsylvania. He would usually speak in Harlem, in Kingston, and in Sayville on Sundays. Hmm. Dude. After the move to Philadelphia, however, Penaniah died. Aww. Aww. The same disease, maybe? Or old age? Probably old age at this point. Because mm-hmm. even even Father Divine is fairly old at this point. Yeah. Old for the time. I mean, life expectancy was much shorter then than it is now. Yeah. Um, the exact date she died isn't known. Father Divine never talked about it or even acknowledged her death. What? We'll get to what he did instead. In 1943 is when most people believe she died. It seemed to rattle him a little bit. Um, And it became kind of obvious that he was saying that right thinking could make you immortal, but she's dead. So he had to do something. Because it worked the first time. If you're saying that like sickness comes from the mind and positive thinking will bring you back, and if she heals herself then that's good for the cult. But right. her dying is, is like... bad for the cult. Yeah. And she did, in fact, die. Uh, so he had to start preaching that it would prolong your life, but maybe not in the flesh. So April 29th, 1946, Father Divine married a 21-year-old white Canadian woman named Edna Rose Richings in Washington, D.C. And that is the dream. <laughs> <laughs> That's cold. Yeah. No. When I get famous, I got to leave her for a whiter woman who's whiter <laughs> than a Canadian named Emily. It's Emily, right? Edna. Ah, that's Edna. even whiter. I know. Edna Rose Richings. Uh, the ceremony was kept. She's s- just made of snow. She's a snow woman. She's a snow person. <laughs> hot. Uh, Ice hot. We learned this in Kansas <laughs> we le- City. We learned this in Kansas City. Uh, the ceremony was kept secret even from most members until her visa expired and they had to let people know because they had to file for a new visa. Ah. So critics of the movement believe that Father's divide scandalous marriage to a 21-year-old would destroy the movement, especially because he started telling people that she was the reincarnation of Mother Divine. Oh. Yeah. And that Mother Divine's spirit had now passed into this 21-year-old white woman, and she was the new Mother Divine. And she's just cool with that shit? Yeah, and she seemed to believe it at one point. Mm. Maybe not initially, but as they go on, she seems to pretty much buy into it. And how old is he at this point? He, let's see, it's... He's old enough to be her cult leader. Yeah. At this point. <laughs> He's 70 years old at this point. Oh. And marrying a 21-year-old? Marrying a 21-year-old. Oh, God. I don't like it. You I don't know. like an age gap? Not that big. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, everyone thought that the whole movement would just be like, I'm sorry, that's bullshit. You've never brought up reincarnation before. This is insane. Um, the old coot. The old coot. 
but instead most of the followers rejoiced and the marriage became a celebrated anniversary. They completely accepted her as Mother Divine. I mean, they did lose some people, but for the most part, they completely accepted her. Dog, that's not how reincarnation works. Also, reincarnation was not previously a part of what he preached. Yeah. And he didn't preach it, at, like, after. But the, the thing is, is that's not how reincarnation works. She was already alive. Well, that'll come into play in just a bit. Oh, my fuck. So, followers believed that Penaniah was an exceptional case, and they viewed her, quote-unquote, return as a miracle. Um, in the 1950s, the press had stopped covering Father Divine. It was old hat. There was new things to cover. We had a new president. The Cold War was happening. Um... He was kind of viewed as just this, like, oh, wasn't this kind of fun when we were doing this? Um, Remember this cult? Yeah, Aww. he became kind of like um, like Jimmy McMillan. <laughs> He's a politician, politician quotation marks, in New York, and he's the head of the Rent is Too Damn High party. Oh, yeah. And he, yeah, and he occasionally runs in, you know, elections and stuff. That's who Father Divine basically became. At one point, he announced that Philadelphia was the capital of the world. Uh, <laughs> later on, he claimed to inspire the invention of the hydrogen bomb. I don't even think Philadelphia is the capital of the state it's in, is it? No. Yeah. Wait, I think it might be. Wait, Wait. it is. It yeah, is. Yeah, Philadelphia is, is the Cut capital. Of Sorry. There's a little California geography for you. Wow, y'all are killing me sometimes. (laughs) Sorry, sorry, sorry. Um, But also, as the economy did well and as people started to do better, they saw less of a need for Father Divine. A lot of people didn't Mm -hmm. need to be housed and clothed and fed. They had jobs that would plentifully do that for them in a way to support their families. And why be celibate and do that if you can afford to have a family? Like... Why be celibate if you can afford to be fucking? Exactly. If you could afford to have the 2.5 kids with the picket fence. The what? 2.5. Two po- what? That's the average American family size. The average American family that size. That is a is, horrifying statistic. Is, is that it's <laughs> two parents and 2.5 children? Yeah. No, it's two brothers and a half brother, B. You know this. Come on. <laughs> ah, that's funny. In 1953, um, a follower named John... It, it could be devotee, but it could also be devout, the way it's spelled. D-E-V-O-U-T-E. Oh, weird. He gave Father Divine his family property, Woodmont, which is a 72-acre hilltop estate in Gladwin, Pennsylvania, right outside of Philadelphia. It's wow, that's a- right by the capital of the world. <laughs> Convenient. That's great. Uh, the French Gothic manor served as his home and basically anyone who wanted to live there as a follower that could fit could live there. And at this point, their membership had dwindled so that pretty much all of the remaining followers could live with him in this giant estate that still had the voice boxes because he would even when he got super sick in his old age, he would just play old tapes. Of him oh, that's sermons. so creepy. So they're just constantly hearing his voice. <laughs> Um, 
Hey, this is Father Divine, and today we're playing The Hits. <laughs> this is a good one from June 19, uh, 1935. <laughs> I forgot what year it I, Well, first, I was about to sing something, and then I was like, he died long before that song came out, Paige. Yeah. <laughs> but it was kind of, it would be funny if he's like, 80s, 90s, and today, some guys have all the luck, and you're just like, you have to <laughs> oh, listen to it all day. I thought it was going to be like, hey, welcome to Father Divine Radio, where we're playing only The Hits. Remember this one? <laughs> one you guys shouldn't be fucking <laughs> don't stop fuck. I, Sto- I see it when you masturbate yeah stop i'm like santa claus but for your penises accentuate the positive but not hiv positive hey. stop fucking oh no oh uh so membership had declined so much that again most people could be at the manor and he continued to hold banquets although somewhat less frequently until his death in 1965. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I like that they shit on his dwindling um, banquets. I just imagine somebody showing up and like, Divine, this used to be a banquet, but this, this is barely a continental breakfast, goddammit. <laughs> Father um, Divine, where's the giant pot of almost inedible eggs? Where are they? Is this cat food? <laughs> Someone check on him. Uh... Just saying, it's not as good as the Marriott. Uh, as his health declined, he had continued to petition for simple civil rights right before his death. Um, he advocated very, very hard for reparations, um, which nah, people still haven't gotten those. Yeah. Unfortunately. Um, he also argued for integrated neighborhoods. So essentially the way that we had segregate, or desegregated schools, he wanted to desegregate neighborhoods. Wow. Um, he refused to participate in the American Civil Rights Movement because, I mean, A, because he was mostly bedridden at the time, but <laughs> it's he... It's really hard to march. It's hard to march. Uh, he really disliked the use of racial labels, going so far to deny that he was black. Okay, so he's... He's, he's like, the... he's one of those I don't see color people. Okay. So he died of natural causes. I mean, because he was, at this point, 80... Yeah. And at this point, his wife is, like, in her early 30s. Oh, so she's she's old, too. I'm going to murder you. <laughs> yeah. You laugh until your back hurts every morning. <laughs> it does. Yeah. It already does. I'm Imagine so young. 10 years from now. Oh, God, I'm going to die. Yeah. <laughs> we get up every die. morning. Oh, Jesus. Um, so his followers and his widow up until her death insisted that his spirit is still alive and they always refer to him in the present tense okay weird they just they they call it he laid his body down but they fully believe that he is still there with them in spirit in the manor to the point that they set out place settings for both him and mother divine and feed those place settings first creepy hey father Mm -hmm. you're gonna eat that (laughs) i get it because you god i miss my brother so here's the that's all that's sad uncle divine (laughs) i've really given him a life of his own yeah so here's the thing about this manor and for nothing else if you have no other reason to watch the documentary watch it for this manor this place is dope it's like a castle in there to the point where they're sitting at like these full giant tables with like these ornate carved chairs and like fine china 
and it's all the remaining members and there's literally like maybe two dozen of them and they're all 80 or 90 years old and it's current it's present day and it's just like 80 or 90 year olds all dressed incredibly well mostly in uniforms and they're just like sitting and having dinner together and they live in this integrated community still worshiping and believing that Father Divine is alive and with them in a fucking literal castle. Do they... A castle-ass castle. <laughs> That's crazy. It's insane. Have they... Do they... Are they doing like, uh, hey, we grow our own food, shit like that? Are they no. like commune living? They still have money. Okay, wow. There's that much money left over and the actual estate was gifted to them. So they don't have to pay for they it. They don't pay rent. They just pay property taxes, though. I'm not 100%, but I wouldn't be surprised to find out that the guy who gifted them the estate is still living with them and is paying the property tax. Like, he's independently wealthy. I don't... I'm Again, I'm not... I'm not an accountant, and I would struggle to say that I'm probably not even smart, but... Well, Scientology, certainly. Yeah. <laughs> But I will say that you, they may have figured out if they, especially if they've like formed themselves as a genuine church, Mm -hmm. they may have figured out a way to not have to pay property taxes. Very possible. And if he's still living there, he may have just been like an, like an opportunist and been like, yeah, why don't we all live here? Here's the thing. Everyone, cause they still live completely celibate, completely Mm -hmm. separate by every single rule that he, no tobacco, no drugs, no alcohol, nothing. Yeah. And they all hold to it. So everyone living in that house is hardcore. The thing that really, like, uh, the thing that really fucking blows my mind, especially, mostly considering the time uh, range that this took place in, is the no tobacco. Because everyone smoked. Yeah, yeah fucking that's crazy. Yeah. They didn't spank you. They didn't, like, spank your baby when it came out. They gave him a cigarette. And they were like, welcome <laughs> to the world, Sonny. Yeah. It's hard right now yeah so that that to me is like that's crazy not right? crazy but like that's a lot that surprising like, i yeah. think is the word you're working for yes. yeah so now after father divine's death in 1965 edna rose richings his wife who at this point is in her early 30s became the leader of the movement and she continued to lead it exactly the way he he, he was and she would play old tapes through the speakers so, like, he's not even around anymore, and people are still following him as if he's alive. So that, yeah, she kept that. Because normally what you would see is somebody just pivoting and being like, all right, re- re- I'm retconning all this shit. <laughs> Remix! <laughs> I'm going to need y'all to start making me God now. <laughs> like, just whatever. I just got a test on it, and it turns out I'm 100% this God. <laughs> I'm 100% this bitch. Uh, now... They almost weren't the successful, quiet, old people cult that they are today. They were almost something way worse. Because in 1972, a 34-year-old preacher from Indiana showed up at her door, claiming to be the reincarnation of Father Divine, just as she had been the reincarnation of Penaniah. And she turned him down refused to rest any like give him any control of the cult refused to let him come in and she blocked his attempt to take over oh, you're gonna say blocked him on facebook nah because it was 1972 <laughs> she blocked his attempt to come over and take over their cult 
And that man was Jim Jones. Dun, dun, dun. So he, he literally tried to be Father yeah. Divine, claimed to be the reincarnation. She blocked him from coming. And at that point, he turned around and founded People's Temple. You're to, saying she God blocked him? Yeah, she God blocked him. To be fair, the entire point of the cult was to block everyone from coming. So Yeah, 100%. <laughs> Which, by the way, if you know anything about Jonestown, he was not in favor of no. that dude. Fucked. Yeah. Constantly. Anyone he could. And then would constantly have to hide pregnancies and shit. So, uh, yeah. I, uh... That's... <laughs> Because you have to, you have to do this thing of like, through this sort of narrative arc, it sort of lends its hand to maybe Edna truly was. I know it sounds bad, but I'm not meaning it at the fullest extent of how terrible the the connotation is. But truly was kind of brainwashed into thinking she was Penaniya. I that's very possible. She could have, because I mean, it, Father Divine seems to be really good about convincing anyone to do anything, mm-hmm. and uh, really didn't. Almost, as far as we know, didn't truly abuse that power the way that people like Jim fucking Jones did. Well, and here's the thing. A few members left the mission to join People's Temple. Yeah. Where they were like, this guy seems like, I mean, maybe he could be. And so they left. Yeah. But she held the bulk of the followers and they stuck with her. Mm -hmm. So that kind of says something about her, too. Because remember, only, I mean, let's call it 20 years previously, she took over for a woman that they had known their entire lives in a weird reincarnation yeah. bullshit nonsense. And then 10 years later, the leader died. So it hasn't even been a full 10 years. It's like seven years since Father Divine left. She's maybe 40 at most. Mm-hmm. And she still held that cult. But they still followed her. I just mean, like, if she doesn't believe this, even if there's, like, an inkling of doubt, and this guy shows up and he's like, hey, what's up? I'm uh, the reincarnation of your husband. And she just has to be like, oh, you motherfucker. Well, see, that's what I think happened. Because I feel like that almost lends itself more to speculation zone that she didn't believe it. Yeah. Because I think at that point, she's just like, shit, I know this shit's fake. Aren't you coming in here trying to act like the shit's real? Yeah. You know? And, uh, this is something that we didn't really go into because of relevancy and all that. But uh, but Jim Jones, previously, before even this, had learned stuff from Father Divine, right? He reportedly talked with Father Divine and attended a few sermons. Like, yeah. he reportedly knew Father Divine. Now, granted, it, w- it was m- very much towards the end of Father Divine's life. Yeah. Because there is a significant age gap. Which is, oh, man, fuck. I wonder if that's why. Because one of the distinct things about Jim Jones is that his manner of speaking is like uh, an old black person. Yes. They say that he's got, he takes, specifically, weirdly enough, the, the one that I think is an older like black a, a woman. woman. Like, yeah. that's the, he takes um, the kind of, uh, like, speaking mannerisms. But I wonder if maybe he's taking, or some of that is him trying to imitate Father Divine. I 100% old. believe it is. Huh, that's because crazy. Because Father Divine had a very, and Jim Jones doesn't do it well. No. But Father Divine had a very compelling way of speaking and a very distinctive way of speaking. And when you listen to... Now, granted, allegedly Jim Jones was incredibly compelling as a young man. And a lot of the recordings we have are of him in later years, like, methed out with wine teeth. And so, like, I don't even know that we're getting the best 
representation of his impersonation because he's mostly at that point slurring through it. So I don't even know. Maybe he was really good at it. I'm not sure. Um, But, you know, currently there's a couple dozen left. They're holding on to their vows of celibacy, but it makes it hard for them to recruit new followers, obviously. Yeah. So likely in the next, I would say, five to ten years, this cult will die off of old age. Which wow. hardly ever happens. Like, yeah. that's not a normal thing. That's so um, crazy. Hey, guys, time to join up and take over. <laughs> um, they they very rarely leave the compound. They're all in their 80s and 90s. And they still claim Father Divine's God. They talk about him in the present tense. They they have pictures of him all over the house. They they still fully believe and are fully invested. Um, there are some, like I mentioned, I think, in the first episode, Sister Meekness Faith has been in since she was a teenager. This is her whole life, is this cult. And she is, like, not even sad about it. She's just like, I can't wait to see Father Divine again. Like, they're just all in. And it's about half black, half white. Even in old age. Yeah. I mean, from her perspective, you gotta realize that she just thinks that she was a part of somebody who did some real great shit. Yeah. Well, and and here's the thing. She's not entirely wrong. Because when you look back on it, thousands of people survived the depression when they may not have mm-hmm. because of this man. He's a megalomaniac and a heretic and crazy. Yeah. But he helped thousands of people. And if you remember, I mean, if you know anything about Jonestown, so did they. Mm-hmm. People's Temple started out this way too. But unlike Jim Jones, there's not the discrepancy. Like, as Jim Jones gathered more control, he also got more selfish where he was no longer providing anything for his followers. They were, you know, mostly a lot of them living in poverty, constantly giving, you know, their money and food, especially when they got to Guyana and there's just, you know, no food. Everyone's packed in. It's hot. It's terrible. It's, He's, it's religious fire fest. It's religious fire fest. <laughs> it is 100% oh religious God. fire we fest. We didn't plan for this. It's, There's it's, no infrastructure. It's just cheese and bread and that's it. Oh, look, they got flavor aid. Yeah. Oh. oh, boy. But they had to pay duties on it, which is like 45%. <laughs> oh, God. Or one blowjob. <laughs> oh, but they were against that, too. No. Uh-huh. Um. So... The Yeah, the main difference being Jim Jones kind of got to sit pretty for a long time. And Father Divine, even though he may have sat slightly prettier, he still provided for everybody. Yeah, so that's where I, I guess we will end it for Father Divine. And then I guess keep posted on what happens to those last, yeah, like, that's two what, dozen people, basically. Hey, uh, what you said they had... Uh... It was 78 acres of land? 72. 72 acres of 72 land? 72 acres of land. Are they crazy. virgin acres? <laughs> I don't know what that means because I don't speak farm. <laughs> 70. It, there's pictures of the manor and it's just on these like green rolling hills with nothing else around it. So yeah. 72 acres. Did you know that the, uh, the average uh, acres of national parks is about 870,000? Wow, that's an amazing statistic. That is Armando. an amazing statistic. That is an amazing Armando. statistic. Yeah. Speaking of national parks, if you want to help them out, then you can go get gear from Open Skies Trading Company. Open Skies Trading Company is a great place that also wants to feed and clothe people for your money. 
but you have to give them the money. Uh, they're a cult, is what I'm saying. <laughs> Take that, Alex. It's definitely not a cult. It's definitely just one dude that makes t-shirts. <laughs> hey, what is and isn't a cult? I'm not here to judge. Uh, so his t-shirts are God. You can buy them online. You can find them on their website, which is openskiestrading.com, or on Facebook and Instagram, which is Open Skies Trading Co., which is Open Skies Trading C-O. Hey, and if you want to find me online, you certainly can. I'm uh, gonna join this cult for sure. Just gonna outlive them. What do you mean? I can't. I just can't fuck for five years. That's fine. <laughs> oh my God! No one tell insoles about this cult. <laughs> oh no! What do you mean? All I gotta do is not fuck for five years, and then don't, I don't get a big ass thing. Don't. <laughs> you take previous experience as time served <laughs> anyway if you want to find me online uh you can do so on instagram and twitter at mondo does stuff that's m-a-n-d-o does stuff all one word if you want to send me fancy china plates like they have in this documentary you can definitely do that or send me pictures of them at page wesley on twitter or at rampage wesley on instagram I just like the term fine China because it's like, it's fine. It's fine. It's it's okay. It's fine. Passable. I want good China. If you want to send me your good China or... <laughs> send uh, me your bad China, too. Or your bad China. Me, I was going to say, send me your soaking wet China. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Uh, if you want to send me your uh, reincarnated selfies, uh, <laughs> send them all to me at Sundress Comics. On all the things. And uh, you can follow the show on Instagram as well, which is Cult Podcast. It's, I guess it's at Cult Podcast. I don't know why I said it weird like that. Yeah, or on Twitter at Cult Podcast Show. Hey, this is Uncle Divine. Just letting you know if you want to send us an email. I don't know what that is. It's the 60s, man. You can send that to cultpodcastshow at gmail.com. <laughs> I didn't want to say it weird, and then you couldn't understand it. I felt like maybe keep the brand intact i don't know i'm uncle Uncle divine good to meet you uh if you want to send us a cadillac so that we can make our neighbors jealous you can send that to 3756 west avenue 40 suite k number 237 like Like the the Shining. shining los angeles california 90065 That'll get lost in the mail, for sure. (laughs) For sure. Uh, And if you want to find our email, our physical address, or a lot more information than you're willing to read, uh, then you can go to our website, which is cultpodcastshow.com. And I think for this one, I'm going to say don't drink alcohol, because he said not to. Oh. And don't drink the Kool-Aid. Bye. Bye!